Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. I posed the question. Uh, starting off with our question, in light of everything that's going on, but who would you, what goaltender would you actually have taken in the first round? We've had very few Hall of Fame goalies taken in the first round and quite a few busts taken in the first round. So, and I don't care how how far back you go or whatever. Are What goaltenders would you have actually taken in the first round? All right. So, because I know that I know that Pat's going to pontificate on this a little bit, <laughs> so I'll get Maybe. my piece in first. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I'm going to take this as most NHL GMs would, in that they need to have a significant impact immediately after being drafted, which I think is ridiculous. But that's how most of them are. So I'm just going to say Patrick Waugh. For obvious reasons. For obvious last Stanley Cup one in Canada reasons. That's all I got. The math checks out. Yeah. (laughs) Really does. Um, All right. Point of order. There are very few Hall of Fame goalies. Period. So those that are taken in the first round, the numbers are just. (sighs) Damn the hockey men and their unwillingness to just open and expand their mind, just to understand goaltending is not that complicated. Um, There are just as many forward and defensive busts in the first round as there are goalies. Goalies are just magnified because there are so few roster spots. Um, I could say the guy that pulled uh, Patrick Waugh and Cam Ward was deserving of a first round pick. It was in the twenties. Um, I can defend Rick DiPietro if he could have had a proper trainer. Like I think we talked about in the last, you know, one or two episodes. I can't remember back because today is day sun day. I don't know what. Losing track of the dates. Um, so I can defend can, any goalie taken 20 to whatever the end of the round is. Perfectly logical in my mind. I'm going to go off the board. I would still to this day draft Kari Lettinen in the first round. Really? Mm-hmm. So... Kari Latinen, 2002 draft. He played in 649 games. He had more than 300 wins over his career. He actually finished with a 9-12 save percentage and a sub-3 goals against. And if you believe in kind of point share, which is the precursor to, you know, the hockey war number, it's pretty up there. He had the biggest impact of goalies in his draft year. Um, he just played for, you know, tire fire teams. But to play for a tire fire team and still put up huge numbers is pretty impressive. A 
But let me point out, his point share was higher than, okay, Cam Ward, who who did the Patrick Waugh thing. It was better than Duncan Keith's. Better than Rick Nash, better than Jay Bowmeister. These are other first round guys with the exception of Keith, who should have been. Um, he was a really freaking good goalie, and he spent too much too much time on middling teams in Atlanta and then early 2010s Dallas. <laughs> so let's say he doesn't go second overall to Atlanta. What if he slides back to, say, oh, I don't know, the LA Kings at 18? Or let's say the Buffalo Sabres at 20, where this is kind of this weird period for the Sabres where they're just getting really good and they have Ryan Miller. But what happens when they wear down Ryan Miller? Do they have another guy to run to? What if Chicago drafted him? You know, maybe they don't get Taves and Kane, or maybe he's there and he's the starter for that first cup team in 2010. Who's to say? Look at you. You and your revisionist history, man. Oh, I, I, going off the board <laughs> and and taking that question and saying, now, am I correct in, in, in inferring from that that you're saying he probably shouldn't have been taken second overall, but lower in the first round? Would have uh, had a more substantial career, or quite possibly, okay. quite possibly. Um, I mean, his impact on his—he propped up some garbage teams, and 2002 was not a overall stellar draft year. You have some names, uh, you know, the number of games played, which is kind of my parameter. If you're a first-round pick, you may not. You're either a superstar or you're going to have a long career in my mind. I mean, he ranks at least in first round in games played, period. Like, he, he's in that late 20s range. And goalies play, you know, a fraction of the games that, you know, skaters do over the course of their career. Because there are only three goalies that have ever played more than 1,000 games. Mm-hmm. And you can name them all. Being Wab Roder and Roberto Longo, yeah. So when you're when you're close to that 700 mark, given that those guys played 70 games a year, numbers kind of knocked down into the 60s, and now we're getting a platoon system. And playing for as bad a team as he had, and he still had good career averages. Good with it. So you're you're kind of taking the the question from the prior week and the question from this week and combining them a little bit because I mean Patrick Waugh was already said he was the obvious choice and I know we have a lot of other things to talk about so we do how oh, come? oh you know no reason oh. Can you have a bubble if the bubble's already burst? Is this a chicken and an egg week for the NHL? 
No, wait, wait, before we get into that. Oh, oh wait. Other stuff happened? Patrick, uh, give us yeah. his answer. You, uh, oh. it's Wah and Brodeur. Okay. And, and Dryden. Really? Okay. You good with that? <laughs> I, I, just, I, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And All right. reason, because reasons. Okay, speaking of speaking of reasons, I'll throw one out there that I'm speaking of revisionist history. Uh, Grant Fuhr. I'm slowly coming around on Grant Fuhr. Ah, welcome to the fold, my friend. Mainly because his interview on the Soul on Ice podcast was really delightful. It was, but, but. And, and 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 that damn three on three league is stealing all our ideas for the AXHL. Yes, it is. My goodness. Um, we need to get paid for that. Yeah. We, you know what? We really do. I'm getting sick and tired of people listening to this podcast, stealing our ideas, and then claiming them as their own. You know. You know, we we. I think Patrick is one to say that uh, we don't have any sponsors and we are not soliciting any sponsors. No. But you know what we will solicit? Consultant contracts. Yes. Teams and leagues because... We're open for business. We've got the right ideas and everyone just uses them or uses them as talking points on various media platforms. And never gives us credit. <laughs> but we're not, we're not one to name names, you know, Jeff Merrick. Um, Too many men podcast. Anthony Stewart. <laughs> Sports and AHL. What? <clears throat> okay. so, so, bubbles. Were we talking about bubbles? Bubbles. 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 <laughs> and how the how the NHL um, screwed themselves over by not making their their second phase a bubble phase. Seriously. <laughs> like you know, epidemiologists have been telling them to do. I honestly don't think it would have mattered. Because. <clears throat> I don't think some of the people who, okay, let's back up. We don't know who, let's back up even further. Uh, of the reports out that players and, and team personnel have tested positive for this COVID-19, I'm not sure that bubbling phase two would have made any bit of difference. Well, considering that like players are are saying that you know when they when they go into their bubble for the tournament, they want to have options to for entertainment <laughs> while they're in the bubble. <laughs> it's like, um, you guys are not you're you're missing the definition of bubble here. Um, you know, they want to like reserve restaurants so that they can all go out to restaurants after games and they want to like, you know, do other things, and I'm just like, you're not getting this, are you? They, uh, the amount of 
I want my normal life during this is like, come on. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I get and I understand the desire to have some form of normalcy. But come on. <laughs> Just. Ugh. Okay. Freaking let it go. Yeah. Before we get into talking about what the hub cities will be because unfortunately they're gonna they're gonna push through they're gonna make this happen when it happens and when it starts is a different story Mm -hmm. but apparently in the next six or seven days there are going to be some sort of votes done by the PA, whether that be the executive board, which is a single representative from every team or a body at large vote on CBA issues, return to play issues, what have you. Is there any way, I know they've already agreed to the return to play format. Is there any way anything should be approved with the idea that players should return to, to wherever their home team city is instead of reporting immediately to a bubble and conduct all training camps in a single location. That makes too much sense. So once again, we are available for hire. (laughs) At reasonable consulting fees. Mm -hmm. I start at 2 million. I I don't know about Pat and Cassie. I'll take two million Canadian. I I hear the league is looking at the Canadian dollar, so I'll price myself at two million Canadian. Since I am a woman, and of course my opinion means less than your white man opinion does, I'm just going to have to like settle for a million, I guess. (laughs) Well, and traditionally women do get paid less for the exact same work. Right, right. You know, but of, but yeah. of course, you know, people will justify that because stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Lord knows you don't have any, you know, worthwhile ideas, Cassie. Good. No, no. And it's not like I'm, I'm educated or anything and have no. a degree or whatever. Oh, oh, hell no. I, 11 players and I'm still bumfounded that the whole Austin Matthews thing got out there. I mean, I, I get the joke saying, you know, along the lines of he couldn't let a security guard do her business. What makes you think you'd be capable of social distancing? Um, but still, they've been very careful even previously when NHL players had been tested positive for COVID-19, not to release information like that. So, uh, you know, I I don't know what Canada's HIPAA looks like, but I can't believe that it's any less stringent than the U.S.'s. Apparently, professional athletes don't fall under that. Because this all came out with the NFL like a week or two ago. Well, but some of the NFL issues were players and agents releasing that news and or at least confirming to reporters and then reporters break break the story. Um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, is does HIPAA even apply? Like th- this is more just a common decency issue where I'll I'll be honest and say I think if an athlete tests positive, the athlete should come out and say it for the betterment of society. But I do respect their choice to either conceal or publicize those results on a case by case basis. But does HIPAA even apply, even if it were just you or me? Um, it, 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 it means that the medical professional doesn't release the news and I'm not, who knows where Steve Simmons got his information from because he was the one that broke the story. I tend to think it's not from medical people, but an agent right. or a player who skated with him in, you know, Scottsdale or someone doing the testing. Who knows? Yeah, it's always the touchy thing because. Um, the tests have to be administered by medical professionals, which means you are HIPAA compliant, which means it can't be the medical people that release that information because there's still a privacy boundary. It's not like between the medical professional and you, it's very much lawyer client confidentiality, mm-hmm. right? But if, as, as you said, Pat, if someone else release that information without Austin's sign-off, that's a violation of trust more than anything. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it would be easy for anyone around a rink to discern whether someone's testing positive or not. They show up, they take the tests, and they're either allowed on the ice or in the workout facilities, or they're not. So it's, I think it's it's very easy to discern. And if a person doesn't come back and then, you know, their rumblings of a positive test on a certain team. Well, as in the case of Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even confirm the team at, at first that Mm -hmm. had a bunch of players and personnel test positive. Yeah. But I think at this stage and the league came out and said it, or at least it said it in either Toronto's release or the uh, lightning that the league will make, be making all notices from this point on Mm because they're trying to control the story from the East coast elitist media. (laughs) Which is why they want to put their, uh, their hubs in, you know, the Pacific time zone. Oh, is that right? Oh. Yeah, crazy, huh? Yeah. Vegas in, in Vancouver? Latest rumor? Uh, I don't. God, I love this. Because with the whole... The whole exponential growth in cases in the U.S. still. Um, and the damn near exponential decrease in cases in Canada. I wonder if maybe both hub cities aren't in Canada. <laughs> No, they're actually talking, last I heard, it was either the front runners, I should say, are 
Vegas and Vancouver, although Edmonton, they haven't they haven't ruled out any of the Canadian cities yet. You know, so Edmonton and Toronto are still in. Yeah, they they pared down their number from ten to six, with I think the other U.S. cities being Chicago and probably Columbus. Although I'm not sure about the two U.S. cities. Um, Just. Now, did, did you know you could do things prior to 7 p.m. local time in the world? Did you know that was possible? Which is why I believe they want Pacific time zones. Because they can have all the players come in, do their stuff during daylight hours in the rink, satisfy East Coast Broadcasting, so say a new, yep. noon start in the Pacific, 3 p.m. in the East, which everyone's home. Everyone's going to ha- have stuff on in the background. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. It's and they can get back in before curfew. They, right. can, they can have their quote-unquote entertainment options available to them while still getting a night's rest in or whatever. So... It, I, Having two things on the West Coast makes sense to me other than broadcasting capabilities. Well, and maybe also they're they're considering more than one game a day. Oh, they have to be. Oh, minimum two a game. Yeah, yeah, I mean. In each hub, yeah. I mean, they have to be. There's, There's no other way to do it and have it done tentatively by early October without doing two games a day. Yeah, and right. you know, it, it'd be in each easy to run. Three would be pushing it in each individual rink because even with next to no people in the building, ice is still going to be garbage, but yeah. if you can get it to two or three or There's two also- there's also the testing aspect that, that has to go on, too, and then because that's going to take time to get through all the players and all the yeah. staff. And not to mention, I mean, they're in a bubble, but they'll still want to keep some sort of separation between certain individuals, whether that be team staffs. Like, I can see the players commingling. Everyone else involved, whether it be broadcasters, league, whatever's, whether they're stats keepers, officials, I think there's going to be still some sort of distancing between certain groups within the bubble. So I could see wanting to have a period to get a team out and then get a new team in, even with dedicated locker rooms for everyone. I <laughs> I um after the last effectively 48 hours 72 96 whatever you want to do um I'm just waiting for another batch of confirmed cases to come out of NHL players mm-hmm. because it sounds rather inevitable and mm-hmm. that last batch is probably going to include a couple of more high-end names, mm-hmm. which is going to put this whole thing basically on a 
I think we need to step back. Well, and that's that's been my question all along is is when do they call it? When when is where is that line? And I don't know that the NHL has drawn it because the NHL likes to have quote unquote flexibility to make those kinds of calls. And when really it's just they they want to see how far they can go before they have to call it. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the NHLPA that you know, last I saw, there were a number of number of players who were not happy with the fact that 11 players had been tested positive for COVID. So, um, so yeah, I'm really wondering where that line is. Where where do they where do they say enough is enough? We can't do this. Either the PA or the NHL. I mean, does it is it going to take a hospitalization of somebody? Is it going to take a team having to forfeit because half the team is out? I mean, or the coaching staff is out because the coaches are are not in peak physical condition and they're often older and, you know, have other health concerns and they're going to get hit pretty hard, I think. Oh, and then there's also players that have kids that have, you know, compromised immune systems. Wives, girlfriends. Yeah. Parents. Parents. Any other siblings or, you know, and, and that doesn't even begin to get into the players themselves who might have issues that make them more susceptible to the more severe cases of COVID. So Stamkos with his blood clotting history. Yeah. As we're finding out that this is a little bit more of a cardiovascular Mm -hmm. repercussions in COVID. And then what, who, who is the... The New York Rangers player with type 1 diabetes? Uh, Capo Caco. Yeah, he was saying that he's going to play no matter what. Well, and Max Domi, too, right? Is it yeah. type 1, I think? Type 1 or 2? Either way, it doesn't matter, right? They're, you know, and if... And They're if, it, populations, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if there are any players that have had their spleens removed. Yeah. Well, Peter Forsberg no longer plays, so we're okay there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, please, somebody needs to go bubble wrap Peter Forsberg, by the way. Just just humor me and do it, please, okay? Sweden. Um, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and by the way, how about all those players that are over in Sweden where they've been rather laissez-faire about the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Let's Let's just have them all come back in quarantine for two weeks before they do anything. They're not, they're, they've waived that. Mm. Canada was if working they, on a way to waive the, the, the 14-day quarantine. And the United States has already waived it. The, the Department of Homeland Security, I think. Oh, because I really want to trust them when it comes to medical. Right. And so they've already cut it, the NHL's already cut a deal with them saying that, you know, they're now considered quote-unquote essential personnel nhl players and staff and um so the united states government has deemed hockey players to be essential people and they don't have to worry about the 14-day quarantine which is why probably there are cities in the united states that are still under consideration for being hubs because canada hasn't quite fully committed to waiving the 14-day quarantine period yet they're talking about it, but they haven't committed to it yet. 
Last I heard. Uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> or a lot of idiots are going to die, and we just go a long time before having certain luxuries in our life. Because sports is a luxury item. Very much so, because like one of the big things that's been happening, you know, locally, and it definitely affects the numbers, number of players tested and, and whatnot is just local rinks opening up for at very least uh, private rentals, which some players are doing to avoid extraneous testing circumstances. Um, I know that's true. My local market you know, there, I'm sure there are plenty of Canadian ranks that are open for players that haven't crossed over into the board. So, yeah, it's funny how these guys like have this whole nothing can happen to me thing going on. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're either very brave or you're very stupid. Yeah. Like the. One of the point, uh, one of the details in the Steve Simmons piece on quote unquote Austin Matthews was he was asymptomatic and you know how is like you kind of referenced can we trust this guy not to social distance? Well, who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe, but it doesn't matter at this point because he got it. And you know, of course, it's the it's the. I don't feel bad, so why should I have to social distance? Right. You know, it's like the people who don't want to wear masks. Well, why should I wear a mask? I feel okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, whereas I went out to a hardware store for the first time since February and was on edge. Just, okay, I've heard lots and lots of people are like, this is a kind of communal thing that everyone's doing less so than say grocery shopping mm -hmm. where people kind of time and space it out and it's a little more convenient. No, I went on a weekday or a weekend where that that's when all the weekend warriors and DIYers kind of go and do their stuff. And luckily I timed it. So there wasn't a huge crowd. I could avoid most people. I could stay away, get what I needed and get out and not have to go back for hopefully two months. But is that the same for everyone else? Absolutely not. I'm I'm an at-risk person. I have chronic bronchitis. I'm starting to get over a bout of chronic bronchitis. And so, like, I don't leave my apartment unless I absolutely have to, which is to get food and medication, and that's about it. <laughs> or go for a drive in my car by myself and not get out anywhere, you know? So, yeah. um, so for me... You know, I'm I've always got a mask with me and I'm avoiding people and I try to catch like going to the grocery store at non peak times. And so, you know, I'm like. I don't think I'm invincible. I know I'm not invincible. But you have all these hockey players who think they're invincible. You know, it's it's an old person's disease. They're the ones that are most affected and I'm in peak physical condition and yeah, okay, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, it's... And so in the past week, I've been running into the issue. We're getting, we're hearing more and more news about local adult leagues popping up. 
And I'm just saying to myself, there's no way I can do this. I don't see myself playing before middle of 2021 at the earliest again, to the point where I'd feel comfortable, uh, one, not contracting anything, but two, not passing it on because I haven't been, my life circumstances haven't dictated that I should get a test yet. And until I hear more about things being readily available and there be a surplus in my area, I don't think it's right for me to do it yet. Even though we're in month four of our, you know, social shutdown. Oh, God. <clears throat> you know. <sighs> I, that's all you have to say <laughs> exactly the, you know the conversations I've heard over the past few weeks with some people and not just in hockey but in other areas basically you know nobody knows how to deal with this because we haven't had one of these in hundreds of years when is prior to that it was a way of life mm-hmm. you know plagues and violent influenza outbreaks and these sorts of things were far more frequent and far more regular, which are basically, I said two words that mean the same thing. You get what I mean. They were far more commonplace and happened at regular intervals. And we've just had this whatever society for so long, nobody knows how to deal with it. So... Well, that is clear because, you know, in the United States at least... People are like, oh, we're all fine now. And I'm like, uh, there's no, I'm not leaving my apartment until there's a vaccine, okay? I don't know about you guys. It, it, no. <laughs> well, and I don't, I mean, I get out and go do the drive every once in a while. Um, every week, I at least get out and just go park by one of the lake or ocean places where I can sit in my car and stare wistfully at the mountains or whatever. Right, but you're not getting out of your car and socializing. That's no. the difference. I mean, I do that too. I'll go for a drive and, you know, periodically, but. And then it's just to the, you know, I've even gone, I've pulled back going to the grocery store and actually going in the grocery store. I was doing that for a while. And I'm just like, uh, I started going, no, you know what? Screw it. It's a waste of my time now because i can just order and go pick up in the afternoon because the whole frenetic crazy hoarding mentality is finally gone by and large so people aren't just like clamoring and freaking out and and stuffing all of the um pickup times at our grocery stores where you can't get in for like five days or something Yeah, I'm in a small village. I don't have that option, really. (laughs) I actually have to go into the grocery store, which I'm not thrilled with. But, I mean, you know, I try to go, like I said, off peak time, so. I think you should, sorry, really quick. Cassie, I think you should get one of those Zorbs. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I think so. You know when they do the they do the uh, uh, 
ball races, like the hamster ball races. On, mm-hmm. on yeah, you just get yourself a Zorb, <laughs> and you just double. you know yeah, and you you get there, you inflate it, you get inside it, and you just bounce people out of the way. <laughs> As the proud owner of a piece of the netting from the 2006 Stanley Cup Finals, which I won by doing a Zora brace. Did they, did they have more than one final? Yes. Hockey did, not the NHL. Eh, whatever. Let's rename the damn thing so we don't run into this stupid semantics issue. Yes, the English is correct. What would be the fun in that? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the thing that happens on the ice, but crazy. Anyway, but that—that's asking way too much. I know. Um, Actually, the breathability inside one of those things is better than you would think. Yeah. I mean, you'd still wear a mask, but what I'm saying is, you—you would have your social distancing, right? And a—and a fun. Flash safe way to get people the hell out of your way. Well, Don't. fun and safe for me. What? Yes. <laughs> After Cass- the people I'm like shoving out of the way. Cassie, you gotta remember, in, in today's society, no one gives a shit about you. It's all about themselves. So if you just take that mentality and only you know and only care about yourself, just go barging through with a Zorbon, right? Because that's effectively what they're doing to you. But enough about the NHL owners. Oh, I was gonna say that. <laughs> it was too, it was right there. You you beat me to it. I, I mean, honestly, I should say baseball owners, but we don't care about that. Other than you know they they're possibly even more stupid than the NHL at this point, but you know whatever. <laughs> no, they just have a. They don't care about labor negotiations like the NHL does because they they're not waiting on big contracts to be signed uh, between you know TV partners or big things that will make them money. They can afford to do it and be morons. Yeah. But. So what else have we got this week? <laughs> uh, probably some stuff that's uh, just not worth talking about. At least from our point of view. Pagula. Pagula. <laughs> oh, I, I was talking about more Eugene Melnick news, but yes, we do need to talk about Pagula. Pagula. <laughs> Terry and Kim doing Pagula things. Pagula. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they fired the hockey department IT guy, and then we're like, oops, <laughs> hired him back. We <laughs> made a mistake. Sorry. And how, if you're that guy, do you not go, I'm sorry, you did what? Okay, great. I'll take that 20% salary increase now. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Boy, and that for sure happened. I doubt it. Because they probably had the kid, they probably had the guy in a panic state, right? What the hell is he going to find another job right now? No, mm. uh, okay, tech sector, you're right. Because IT, IT people have been deemed essential by their businesses. So if he's willing to take certain risks in life right now, uh, you could find a job. 
but, uh, but we don't know what it's able. They say IT, but it, you know, <clears throat> that is such an all-inclusive term. And it's non, terrible. Non-tech people, it is. And it's it's all-inclusive term for non-tech people. I mean, who knows what his role in the I and or T was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, we know people that are IT department people. Um, but, oh my God. I'm going to use, uh, no, I won't use the S word again in the same show, but what an excrement extravaganza that organization is. Mm -hmm. I'll say two things. They very well might be doing the right thing for the benefit of the team. But holy cow, are they doing it in the way wrong way? This is twice you've had the opportunity to say for the greater good and have failed to do so, Adam. <laughs> the greater good. The greater good. Shut it. Um, have they done anything in the right way, even though it may have been for the greater good? The greater good. Uh, this is hockey. I think that's no, no, all you have to say. No, they're... Uh, <laughs> I won't disagree with you there. I will. I will gently disagree with you. Um, there are some owners that attempt to do things intelligently and attempt to do. You know, when they when they see they need to change course, they don't do it in such a Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, Three Ring Circus type way. And I'm not looking at Edmonton. Well, yeah. <laughs> at least when it, at least when it comes out, yes, they keep their they keep their laundry, you know, their dirty laundry in the laundry room. And if someone happens to open the door into the room, they see it. But it's not all over the couch and everything. So when you walk in the house, as the pagulas apparently have it everywhere. Cause oi. Yeah. I'm also wondering if some of the statements that they made about the being misled weren't also indirect shots at the fellow owners and the NHL itself. Because, you know, generally when somebody buys a hockey team, they will consult with Bettman and Daly and those guys about who, you know, who do you think should be good, or if they, especially if they don't have any prior knowledge of owning hockey and may not be in tune with the sport overall, they get a lot of guidance from the league. Poor people. Well, yeah, and in some cases it works, in some cases it doesn't. But I'm you know, I'm thinking about the LA Kings. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of, I, a prime example, right? Is is um, Bill Foley, right? And the and the Vegas Golden Knights. Right. The the whole you know the whole documentary about you know the the start of the Golden Knights and all of that kind of stuff. You know they do hint at um, they got a lot of feedback and you know they were given some names of who should be GM, who should be president of the hockey ops, and so forth. You know we think these three guys so. You know, the Pagulas aren't immune to that. And I just, that statement 
that sort of statement of of being misled, you know, really was kind of telling to me. I think it's one of those that somebody said, oh, you know, if you're looking for a GM or you're looking for this or that, you know, you need to look at these three people and blah, 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 instead of what they appear to be doing now, which is just throwing their hands and everything in their hands up in the air and saying, we're going to do it our own way now. And that kind of seems like I can't say it's the right or wrong way, you know? We'll only be able to tell in hindsight, you know? It's it's one of those things that, <clears throat> yeah, it was done in an unfortunate manner, but you won't be able to tell if it was right, wrong, good, bad, indifferent until like, you know, two years from now, three years from now when, you know, things are either the same or they're changing finally. Yeah, and you know, boy, if you ever wanted to make sure that everyone thought that Jack or Jack Eichel. I almost said Jack Johnson, that Jack Eichel was a coach and GM killer. Way to, way to, way to help reinforce that one, kids. Mm-hmm. Give him your full-throated support. Jack Eichel comes out and says he's tired of this losing crap, and then, oops, all of a sudden that guy you gave full-throated support is now gone. So that poor kid. Yep. He's in the worst position here because they have to succeed immediately whenever the Sabres get back on the ice. One thing in all the releases I found, well, there are several things I found puzzling. How many of the people let go, usually anyone in hockey ops has a contract for a set period of time. How many of those people were had expiring deals as of June 30th? Well, that was a lot of the speculation afterwards is it, you know, by and large, probably a lot of the scouts did, which I think comprised the bulk of who was let go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of Botterill and his crew and, and, and the IT guy, um, that's just, that's, you know, that's, it's that's sloppy. Like, it's, it's sloppy. That's the one that... There is an IT crowd movie waiting to happen based on this story. <laughs> I just, uh, they are kind of acting like the Red Elms, aren't they? Um, <laughs> uh, boy, that's just like, you know, someone hit reply all to, a, to an internal email thread when they actually just meant to reply to the individual that sent the mail. That's mm-hmm. kind of what that feels like. You know, everyone on this alias is fired. Oops, you know. <laughs> right. Just. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it, just when you think Melnick's, you know, this is like a poor horse race. I mean, who's the worst, right? Oh, Melnick's out ahead. He's out. Oh, but here come the Pagulas catching up faster. You know, oh my God. At least Melnick hired someone that can do his job. Well, at least he's being left alone to do his job. Yeah. Which, it sounds like that's part of the problem here. It yeah. sounds sounds very, part of the story sounds very reminiscent of Ron Francis and Tom Dundon when Dundon bought the team, or controlling share of the team two plus years ago, where 
somebody wanted to do it one way, someone wanted to do something a different way, and that's just not going to fly when the points have been made across different platforms, podcasts, written pieces. Teams are worth a heck of a lot more, and the responsibility of a general manager has never been bigger. So, like, I feel I really connected to the we've been led astray comments as well, and it very much comes off to me like we're being recommended a person who could handle the 1985 version of this job and not what exists today. Not what we want it to look like today. Sorry. I think, I think it's, it's rather it's businessman meets hockey man and hockey man's out of his depth because he's not a businessman. Correct. Because because the one thing that stuck out to me was that they had asked Botterill to like pare back costs and apparently he didn't or he didn't know what to do or whatever, you know, and so that's why he was fired. That was the official quote unquote reason. Um, and I, it rang true to me because, you know, you have Botterill, a longtime hockey man, player, and then, you know, front office guy. And um, needing to make cuts to the staff for financial reasons. Well, he probably hired a bunch of those guys because it's hockey. (laughs) And so, you know, he's like, well, I can't fire my friends. I can't fire the people that I, you know, promised a job to. (laughs) What do you mean? Nepotism? Mm, Yeah, crazy. I know. Or the opposite of Paul Fenton. But what what do lizards have to do with it anyway? Um, <laughs> oh, good callback. And there it was. I like the. Uh, but they don't know how to manage people or a staff. They know how to evaluate talent and pick a team. Sort of. With sort of, <laughs> which was I think the other big takeaway was. Okay, the AHL team and their coaching staff had success, but what the heck did that do for the Buffalo Sabres in the end? So the humorous perplexity for me of the IT guy firing, which I'm never going to let go, was (laughs) augmented by the complete randomness of clearing house of the AHL. Yeah, why do you do that when they're, like, successful? Well, that that's kind of my point, is they're right, yeah. successful, but who are they graduating to the Sabres roster that's making any impact? Which is well, which is fine. You know, I, I get where you're coming from, but you have to step back and go, whose fault is that? If these kids are successful down here and they're not being graduated, where does the blame lie? Right. I mean, those those guys, those those guys at the AHL can't, you know, just run up or run down to Buffalo and knock on the door and say, hey, take this kid. Right. 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 I mean, you know, who's who's like. Who's talking to the AHL team to like coordinate that at the very least. And it's not like those guys are sitting there, you know, going, don't tell them about this guy. Don't you know, we need him. We need him to win. You know, don't tell them, you know, like they're trying to hide all these potentially great NHL players. So uh, you know, 
curbing your AHL coach during this cleaning of house really is befuddling to me. It's it's the it's the everybody being lumped into they're not my people, so they need to go. Which is fine. But, if you're in hockey. <laughs> yeah, because we all know it's about yo people in hockey. Yeah, it doesn't work anywhere else. Any other like workplace. But yeah, I think I think that, that that's probably ultimately it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm sure that that's the reason behind it. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is this because of Casey Middlestat in the AHL? Were they not able to one were they bottle guys because at the end of the day he was more than deserving of being relieved of his job. But two, like I'm just looking at this season's Rochester Americans and Casey middle says the only prominent name I see with any potential of NHL future. There's no, we're going to graduate this third line a la Syracuse to Tampa that we saw, you know, for quite a while in the in the Iserman early days. So it's just a matter of, I don't think they have produced anyone to go and play on an NHL roster in a third or fourth line capacity. And they end up signing terrible free agent deals. Like that's kind of been the, the storybook for me for the entire Pagula regime post Darcy Regeer. You mean like Christian Erhoff and Billy Leno and <laughs> Yep. Or or they they their blockbuster trades while they never work out. It's always to fill roster spots on the NHL club. You look at the O'Reilly deal. Um you look at shoot, just getting Jimmy VC. They're just filling NHL roster spots via marginal to bad trade. But isn't that a panic move? That's sort of prototypical of someone who's, you know, the VC thing is just, it cracks me up because that was one of those, you know, who's the best player in the NHL or who's the best player who's not in the NHL right now coming out of college and, you know, oh, it's this guy. Okay, so it's just a panic move. We have to sign him. Yeah. Because it doesn't cost us a draft pick, right? It just costs us a contract, and it's still an ELC-type contract. So we can get it for, quote-unquote, free. And we have to get him because, he could, he, you know, he's that, he's that linchpin guy. And that just smells, those, those things always smell of panic moves to me. Especially when apparently you're signing players to contracts that are too long for your own tastes, which is kind of the other aspect of the story. Yeah. To me, it's it's more of a um, they're not good at evaluating talent move. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. Know? You know, it's it's the not having confidence in the people that you've drafted, and so you just 
figure that, well, let's get an established player, then, you know, we don't have to worry about that. I mean, the book will remain open on Botterill's ability to run an amateur scouting staff, but everything in the pro ranks left a lot to be desired. Yeah. I, I also wonder if this whole thing, the uh, the way the Fenton and Botterill situations came down, if Mike Fuda might now be less of a golden child, right? Or even... Or I was going to say even a Bill Zito or uh, all these names for plenty of open jobs in the last three years that we've just, we, you know, we've heard about this, you know, oh, this guy's, you know, a lot of these things are coming from the AGM who is Paul Fenton or the AGM who's Jason Botterill or the AGM who's Mike Fuda, you know, and, and these guys, you know, are, are, should be, should be GMs one day. And now we've had two fairly, spectacular flameouts with them. And some of it, you know, there's a learning curve. Stepping from AGM to GM is I've never done it, but I I I can't imagine it is a easy job to make that transition. And maybe, you know, the first time out I wouldn't expect success type thing. Yeah. But I mean there's also the fact that the as we all know, nepotism it runs rampant. And so a lot of guys who get picked for AGM jobs are, you know, just buddies of the GM or, um, you know, former NHL players who are out of their depth when they're like put into a GM position and they run into the business side of things. <laughs> um, and get phony titles like uh, Brett Hall. Yeah. You know, it's it's a there's a lot of there's a lot of assumptions being made when these people are being hired or their names are being talked about. And the assumptions are usually that they are capable at doing other things when the reality is maybe they're out of their depth to begin with. And that is- they, they made some lucky moves and people are like, oh, keep an eye on this guy. He's he'll be great. Well, to your, to your point a little bit, Cassie, I think, you know, that's one of those situations where these guys may be fantastic at um, salary cap stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. that was the thing with Kyle Dubas to a certain degree is that he was good at managing things, but he wasn't a good salary cap guy. But they had the salary cap guy there already. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to kind of go back to Vegas and even Washington, right? You know, there were two assistant GMs on those teams who you know, we're sort of those primed to move to GM roles. Well, they both just got promoted within their own organization. And that probably helps greatly because you're not having to relearn everything and start from scratch to a certain degree, especially in the case now of Vegas, you know, um, you know, stepping aside and taking the GM or stepping aside and taking the president's role and leaving the GM to your understudy effectively well, George McPhee's still there to help, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe provide a little bit of guidance or, you know, just mentorship. And in Washington, you know, I think that I, um, Mac had been there for so long under under McPhee, but he's still got Leonsis, right? Who we know is kind of an active 
owner, but not active in the meddling sense, I guess. Just there as a sounding board and very mentory. So that sounds like a really bad candy, right? <laughs> mentory. Well, but what you're what you're describing is why they pick Kevin Adams to take this job. It's someone they know and they have their own evaluation of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, Whether he's a brown noser or not, which he's being painted out to be. Yeah, because he's been because he survived, right? He's been there nine years and he survived. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like going from one department to another department in the same company. You have a new boss. It's like you have to learn all the people's names and the new processes and the new expectations and, and all of that. And that can be overwhelming for people, too. So and especially like if you are a hockey player who ended your career and you go to the front office, you end up getting, you know, maybe a scouting position or you just go straight to AGM and then you're because, you know, hockey players like their comfort zones. Right. And so you move a guy from AGM in one team and he goes to GM in another team and suddenly he's completely out of his comfort zone. He has no idea what's going on. He's got new expectations and people think that he knows how to do everything already and he may not. So (laughs) it's setting him up for failure, too. Yeah, I liken this very much to the world of journalism back in the day where you're good at a job, you good you have a talent or a skill, and you're given more and more responsibilities relative to that skill, and then all of a sudden you're in a position where you're a manager of people, which has nothing to do with your skill at the end of the day. Yep. And that I think that's why I think maybe more GMs being hired outside of a pure hockey ops department kind of makes sense. It may make sense why, um, you know, Don Waldell is having a bit of a, you know, second career renaissance because he was running a business operations both within USA Hockey and then with the Hurricanes before he was hired as GM. You know, he knows how to manage people. Isn't this like his third, though? I mean, sort of his third He's kind of like Johnny Cash, right? He was the he was the real deal for a while, and then he had to make the fulsome comeback special, and then he was good for a while, and then you know, then he had to you know make the comeback with Rick Rubin. I mean, it it'll work. Feel, it'll work like a lot Rick better Rubin. than other. It worked better than you know uh, Jim Rutherford in that role or a. Oh, Glenn Sather in that role if he he decides for one more kick in the can. Yeah, you know what? Mad props to Slater. To Slater. Slats. You know, because he's pretty much done done. Yeah, anyway. I'm I'm empty for this week. I don't, I'm just going to continue to laugh as more and more players, you know, if, if this count doubles by the end of next week. <laughs> Which brings my question. Brings me to my question. Uh, I mean, ways, we may have the answer by next weekend, but um, the ways have been sagged for you. Yes. Um, so my question this week for you, gentlemen, is this: 
What do you think it's going to take for the NHL to shut down their operations until 2021, let's say? This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.